Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being here with us today. Thank you for celebrating yourself, for investing in yourself, for being the best version of yourself, being the best that you can be today. You see, here's the thing. We can't control what happened in the past. We can't control the situations that have come about that create the life that we currently live in. But we do have control over the actions that we take today. We do have the ability to make the decisions to be the most powerful version of ourselves today. To be really truly clear, this is who I am, this is my purpose, this is why I'm here, and this is what I'm all about. We have full control over that today. Now in the future, um, the decisions that we make today are going to be impacted. And we do have some control. I want to be really careful with this because we only have limited control over the future. We can control our intended direction for our future. We can't control other people's decisions. I don't know about the rest of you, but, you know, I would love to uh, allow myself to be as in control as I'd like for myself to be. The truth of the matter is, is that the more that I relinquish that control, actually the better things are. And that's hard to come to grips with because I think all of us in varying degrees really have a little bit of control freak in us. We have that desire to manipulate the outcome of circumstances. Okay, I, I, I admit it. Is there anybody else? In, am I the only one? I don't think so. I think a lot of us find ourselves struggling for control. But I need you to understand, control is an illusion. Okay? You have, when you're driving down the road, think, I love using driving as an example for this because really, if you sat down and really deeply thought about how insane driving is, you would never do it again. Really, probably the most sane people in the world are the people who have, uh, you know, agoraphobia and never leave the house. People who have um, OCD, uh, not necessarily because, you know, they quirk and they, they have to touch something five times or something like that, but because... They're germophobic uh, because germs are real, because the world outside is scary. It really is. That doesn't mean that we should retreat, that we should all become monks and live in a cave someplace, um, you know, chanting boogie-woogie until the sky falls down or whatever. We do exist in the world. We need to continue to exist in the world 
have to show up because we have a purpose. We have a destiny. So when we look at today, we have full control over ourselves today. We don't have control over the people around us. We do control the people that we want to associate with today. But when we look at life as a whole, there are a whole lot of things, especially when we talk about the future, that we can't control. So go back to my car analogy. Um, I know you thought I forgot it. Um, when you pull out of your driveway and you go out, especially when you're on like a highway, um, you know, living here in Southern California has brought a whole new dimension of reality to this for me. Um, you know, when you're driving down the highway, you know what to do in your car. You know how to, you should properly hold the steering wheel. Let's be honest, the longer we drive, the uh, more that we tend to create a, hab a bad habit of not holding the steering wheel at 10 and 2 or Actually, when my, when my youngest son went through driver's ed, they're now teaching them three and nine because of the placement of, of airbags and what impact um, being at 10 and two would have on your arms if your hands are at 10 and two and the airbag and the steering wheel deploys. Um, you know, but most of us, let's be real, we don't drive that way. We often don't have both hands on the wheel. I hope for your safety's sake, that um, you're not texting while driving, but there are a lot of things. A friend of mine told me that there's a new car that Subaru has coming out that actually has a eyeball kind of a thing in it that watches your eyes um, and actually has like a braking safety system in it if you become distracted and you take your eyes off the road. I don't know how comfortable I feel with that, but the point being is, is that in the car, as a licensed, trained adult driver, I'm not talking about somebody in driver's ed or somebody that, you know, you just got your license last week, but as a full-grown adult driving in a car, you know what to do. You know which one's the brake, which one's the gas. If you drive a stick shift, you know how to put in the clutch and, you know, shift gears and, and things like that. And 99% of what we do when we drive, we do completely on autopilot. Um, you have a limited sense of control inside of that vehicle. But the truth of the matter is, is that zipping past you, in front of you, behind you, all around you, even over on the other side of the highway, coming the other direction, there are a whole bunch of other people that we driving in our lane um, safely expect those people around us to also drive in their lane safely and conscientiously. It's a, it's a special kind of conceit, really, that you have to kind of have to make that assumption that people are going to be aware of you and um, they're gonna do what they're supposed to do. And, uh, and you have to have that. I mean, let's be real. The fear if you 
took every single car that came near you and ran through all the scenarios of everything they could do wrong, you would be completely locked up. Again, that's why I'm saying, um, you know, perhaps the people who have agoraphobia and never leave their house are really the sane ones because they really realize how insane we are. We have to be in order to get through our lives. Um, and so we drive down the road with the expectation that other people are going to handle their stuff. And we can do that confidently because 99, probably 99.9% .9 of the times, everybody around us does handle their stuff. And because we have an element of control or the illusion of control that if somebody swerves at us, we could swerve. That if somebody slams on their brakes in front of us, we can slam on our brakes and swerve if we need to. And all the things that we learn as a experienced driver to be able to do to keep ourselves safe. Um, how to not panic, but handle and control the car when it goes into a skid or begins to hydroplane or those kind of things. Um, and, uh, and if you've ever been in that situation where one of those things that you maybe learned how to do but you've never actually experienced happens to you, um, you may not have necessarily, um, you know, followed the steer into the skid rule or those kind of things because you've never actually done it. You have that knowledge, but you don't have that experience. And that is a perfect example of how much in control we really are. Because we come in contact with people, with things. We don't have control over what the temperature is today. There could be a freak temperature drop. Or there could be a huge spike. I remember my parents telling me about um, in South Dakota, when they were a young couple, they were taking the church youth group out on what was supposed to be a hayride. And my memory says it was July. It was probably more like you know, September, October, but in my mind it was July. Um, but the hayride turned into a, uh, um, you know, sledding party because overnight a bunch of snow dumped. And that's just one of those things. You can't control the weather. There are so many things in this world that we can't control. And so the point becomes control what you can and don't worry about what you can't control. That's where the real power comes from, is releasing that illusion of control on everyone else and then really learning to respond to life situations rather than react as things hit us, to predetermine how we're gonna act, to more than that, predetermine who we're going to be so that when life circumstances come up, we can then deal with them. Are we going to be the kind of person who goes to God or are we going to be the kind of person who blames God when things happen? We've all done both of those. So this is not the judgment zone for how you have reacted in times past. But we can choose to respond. We can choose to say, hey, there are some life situations that have come my way that I wish I could go back and do differently, but again, we can't control that past. 
So what we can do is say, you know, in the future, as things come up, this is how I'm going to respond. That learning to respond rather than react to things is such a powerful tool. We're all human, so there's going to be times when we're going to react. People are going to say things that hurt us. Incidents are going to happen, and it's, it's normal, it's human to react to them. So I'm not asking you to become a robot who doesn't have reactions, emotions, or feelings. But what I am saying is, is that there are some things that we can decide in advance how to respond to. There are other things that really come down to having already predetermined that when the worst of things come up, this is the kind of person I'm going to be. It goes back to what I said earlier. You know, do we want to be the kind of person who, in a time of trauma, we turn to God? Or are we? do we want to be the kind of person who, in a time of trauma, we turn on God? Um, you know, either of those is a way of predetermining a response. Um, I'm not necessarily going to tell you that the outcome from both of those is the same, but ultimately, you know, God, friends, all of those kind of things that we set in place so that when things happen, then we can, um, are some of the best responses we can have. There are certain incidences that come up in life that you, I mean, we've already talked about having no control, but that you really have no control over when a loved one dies when a child gets a disease, having gone through that with Maya, uh, you know, I can tell you there's just nothing worse than coming face to face with the mortality of your child. Um, there are other diseases that may not lead to death, but are going to make a marked impact and difference in your life for the rest of your life that happened to both yourself or your child. Autism is one of those. And in fact, I'm really um, excited to bring to you both of these best-selling authors that are going to talk to you about autism and some things that you can do to keep your children, um, you know, to get them diagnosed or whatever if they need the help. Um, but also some things that you can do to help others that um, have children who are dealing with this crippling disease. Um, you know, that's one of those kind of responses where we really do need people in our lives. And so whether it be to be here today to let you know we're here for you and we've got your back, or it be to allow you to be one of those people to be there for people who need it, um, I really want to focus in on this horrible, horrible situation that we have with our children and uh, some things that we as people can do to respond to the situation rather than allowing it to control our lives. I know that by us being the best version of ourselves, giving all that we have into the world, and having information is one of the top ways we can live as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. 
You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. We are going to be talking about autism today. It's such a horrendous thing and it impacts people's lives so dramatically. But I know that if you have a child who's autistic, you have either searched for or found resources to help you out. And if you have somebody in your life that you love and care for that's struggling with this diagnosis that one of their children have had, I know you will really appreciate the resources that we bring to you today to really help you live in that response place in life and to really be as empowered as you can in the face of this horrible crippling situation that seems to be almost epidemic in our society right now. So really, I hope that you will join in and learn a whole bunch of stuff as we talk today about autism. Join me in welcoming Deborah Harris. Hi, Deborah. How are you? How are you today? I'm great. What about yourself, Steve? I'm doing good, thanks. So tell us a little bit about you and what got you to this point in your career. Okay, well, I'm born and raised in Chicago. I did my first novel in 2008. And from that point, called Divine Order. I spent a year in Chicago after that. In 2009, I relocated to Los Angeles to pursue my career. And I've been going nonstop since then. I've been able to um, continue with my books. I'm the author of five titles. I've started my own publishing company. And I just, I just enjoy the craft. I really enjoy it. Perfect. So, um, you know, tell us if you, uh, if you can only share one thing with our audience, what is that one really burning passion that you have you want to share with the world? Well, you know, I love to write. I love to tell other people's stories. I love to get involved in that process of seeing first-time authors get an opportunity to have a platform in the literary world. So my publishing for other authors have been one of my highlights because it allows me to just see the satisfaction. I remember my first time seeing the book in my hand with my name on it. It was so exciting. It was just gratifying. And to be able to do that is just one of the most remarkable things that I've been able to accomplish throughout my career. But I'm also an autism advocate. I have a 27-year-old son that's autistic. 
and I released a personal memoir of our journey called Trapped in the World of Silence back in 2010. And to this very day, Steve, I'm still very much involved in telling that story. I've traveled across the country to share my knowledge, my expertise, and everything that I know about autism because that's a prevalent topic that doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. So I will have to say that is my greatest passion of my reward for my work, to be able to inspire, give people hope with a disorder that doesn't have a cure, uh, you don't know how to deal with it, and the journey that I've been able to embark on since that time, since I really became active and wanted to share that story, has just been remarkable. I've touched so many families' lives. I've, I've educated so many people in this disorder. And my job, my hope is to continue to do so. So, I mean, autism is such a weird thing because it's, it's a whole scale, you know, it ranges from kids that you would hardly know have it all the way to people who, you know, can hardly function basically. Um, you know, for people who aren't familiar with autism, can't imagine how somebody wouldn't be these days, but for somebody who isn't, can you give us a basic explanation of, of what autism is and how it shows up in children? Well, autism is a development disorder that affects the social skills and the communication. And what happens with that is so many uh, levels on the spectrum. You have mild autism, Asper uh, Asperger, and you have a severely autistic children. And what usually happens is early intervention is the most uh, effective way to even live with this disorder. A lot of times um, statistics have shown that African-Americans and Hispanics children are the last ones to be diagnosed um, for different reasons. Maybe the resources are not available, but we need to be a little bit more um, educate in our communities and sometimes if it's not affecting you or your someone you know uh, it's kind of hard to really engage in autism as much because when my son was diagnosed it took two years to actually get a accurate diagnosis because they just said he had a developmental delay and we spent two years trying to find out exactly what we were dealing with because his communication has ceased uh, just didn't seem to be actually interacting with what was going on around him, his surroundings. And two years had passed, and by this time, he's four. So we were behind, um, very much behind, because that's a big difference. So some of the signs you look for, um, they're not able to give direct eye contact. Their social skills are, are very withdrawn. They tend to not be as communicative. Some of them say one or two words and some don't express themselves at all. So it's very important if you see any changes in them early stages uh, before they're two and not babbling words, the things that they should be doing, that you start trying to get them tested to see if that is in, indeed what is going on. And like I said, with it, with it not being a cure for this disorder, early detection is the cure to keep you functioning in the um, society today. But if you don't have that uh, early diagnosis, you can really, really be behind. And so autism has, they've grown so much technology, so many children. You have one 
out of 59 children are being diagnosed at this at this present time, it's affecting more boys, five times more likely than girls. So those are the things that um, we, we have to keep you know, familiar with the numbers, what needs to happen. They've implemented something called art therapy and music therapy, which is really a basis for just trying to uh, gain the attention, uh, the calmness, of autistic autistic children they tend to be a little more uh hyper some of them could be and so with this art therapy this music therapy it has done such a great thing for a lot of the children and uh has had major breakthroughs uh actually happened for my son he's um art he's not communicative and never really been able to communicate as well but his um art is what he he speaks to his art so the art therapy turned into a gift, and that's what's happening now. People are starting to recognize these hidden talents because most of your artistic children have seven abilities. They are gifted in some form or fashion, but you know, it takes time to find out maybe what those gifts are. And these are some of the things that has helped out in the last few years. Uh, I mainly want to talk about the arts because art and music has become very, very, very instrumental in breaking through barriers that autistic children and young adults and adults are uh, struggling with. So as a parent, um, you know, you said early detection is important. What are the early signs that a person should be looking for so that they can get their child the help that they need? Well, you know, one of the things, like I said, boys are four times or five times more likely than have um, autism than girls and like with my son he had a case of jaundice where he had to be put under the light as a newborn and uh, studies have shown that there is a um, I'm not going to say all children but that is one of the signs the early sign um, blocking out their surroundings and they plug their fingers in their ears uh, they're not giving direct eye contact their uh, eating abilities come down to they might not even want but one or two items and they constantly want to have that because one of the traits of autism is repetitious behavior. Um, some, some children, uh, you can see they're, with their walking, if they're kind of walking on their tippy toes, there might be some kind of imbalance going on with the uh, neurology, you know, with the brain. So you want to look at those things. Just, you know, you just really have to pay close attention to signs that seem not normal as far as their growth. And of course, by the time they get a certain age, 15 months, two years, you're looking for them to start forming these words and repeating. And if you have a children that's, uh, child is nonverbal, that could be something that could be looked at as well. So you talked about the, um, about arts, the music and art. Uh, being so powerful for the kids. What are some of the things that they're doing to help these children out? Well, you know, it's a, it's a, a form of expression because if a lot of them are not nonverbal, they're able to express themselves through the art. And it also develops a trust level where they're able to interact because most autistic children are not, they have uh, social skills they don't have the social skills that a lot of children normal children have and which means they tend to be by themselves not want to join in and other projects but 
when you have this art, it becomes a way of interacting with your peers, uh, gaining the trust of your instructor, being able to uh, express themselves with certain um, colors and, and, and paints and, and things of that nature. So it's designed to do what I was saying earlier as far as calm, the, you know, calm the nerves, uh, give you concentration to make sure you're able to concentrate better. And like I said, it has turned into forming gifts, you know, um, like I said, with my son, he, he's a, he's likes to draw and he's, he's very good at it. And he expresses himself through his art. And uh, that was one of my main concerns. And like I said, the title of my story is Trapped in a World of Silence, because throughout my journey, I wanted him to be able to communicate. It was a fear that I had, not knowing what he was thinking, how he would express himself, what would happen if I wasn't around. And now, years and years pass, and we find out that a lot of his communication is through the arts. And, it, you know, it's just such a wonderful thing. And like I said, music is having the same effect as well. Looking back at it now, um, you know, if you could go back in time knowing what you know now, what, um, what are the things that you wish you knew early on as a parent with your child? I wish I knew a little bit more about the disorder because my son was diagnosed in 96. And you have to think, back in 96, it was not as uh, strong of a topic. Uh, children weren't being diagnosed. No one in my family, uh, his father's family, we had never heard of this uh, disorder. And if I had to do something different, it would be to join groups that to identify with other parents that are going through the same struggle that I was going through because I felt that I was alone in this because I had nothing to relate this topic with, uh, no one to discuss autism with because they didn't understand it as, as I didn't. And I kind of created a world away from educating myself more about the disorder. I was trying to make it go away. So I spent a lot of time going to uh, speech therapists time and time again, trying to open up the communication. And it kind of was not a good situation for me to have um, kind of locked myself in a world that was not really a great thing because I needed to be in his world instead of dragging him into my world. And what I mean by that is I had to learn autism because it wasn't going anywhere and I spent years trying to make it disappear and that's what I mainly speak about it's very important to get involved with the health uh, help groups and people that can identify with the same struggles that you're going through and parents that need insight you can get from them they can get from you and just to sit around and just get that time to uh, correlate, uh, share stories, information, and that's one of the major, major regrets that I have throughout the journey, that I did not um, open myself up to engage with other people that were going through the same thing I was going through. So if a person feels like maybe their child is, potentially has this disorder, 
what um, what should they do? What are the actions that a person could take right now? Well, right now, when, once you get the diagnosis and, and what's going on now, Steve, um, every state and every city, you know, you have Autism Speaks where every year uh, they raise money for autism awareness. They have these autism walks. And what that does is, is it allows the ability to continue to do research, keep doing research, finding ways to live with this disorder where it doesn't have to be such a doomed situation. So once you find out that this is what the diagnosis is, then you have to immediately start put, making steps. What, what school, what's the school system that's going to be best for your child? Uh, you have to be on the same page with the education system. So whatever they're implementing in a child's life, you can continue to do so at home. Uh, it takes a village to raise a child, and we always hear that. And even more so when you have a child that's fighting a disorder, a disability, whether it's autism or anything else. So you have to come together, not only as a family, uh, support system, community, um, stay engaged with the laws of what's going on to your Congress and everything around you so you can see what um, what's available, what's available and what resources are available for you to uh, be able to, you know, live with this disorder. Because sometimes it's a financial uh, situation with a lot of families because it's an average maybe 70000 additional a year to implement what's needed because we're, we're looking at speech therapy, we're looking at uh, occupational therapy, we're looking at some of the um, things that is required to have your child in a somewhat normal setting. And a lot of times parents don't have the financial resources, so they're pushing the legislative to keep on making um, laws that would allow the insurance, your, the insurance to um, maybe be more of a assistance. Like I had insurance that was should be top of the line, Blue Cross, but it didn't cover everything. You're only going to get a certain, um, you know, certain allotted. Uh, things on your insurance so therefore you go it's out-of-pocket expenses so what I find out is that's a major thing with the autism so you have to just kind of stay involved and, and know what's going on in your community and once you find out your child has autism or has been diagnosed reach out reach out to some of the, there's so many resources online so many pamphlets like I said autism speaks is very major uh, they are very uh, up to date on the statistics, the numbers, and they just keep you informed. So once that diagnosis is confirmed, then you have to do what is necessary to put everything else in steps. Perfect. So if a person needs to get a hold of Autism Speaks, what would be uh, the way that they would do that? Well, you just go online, you can Google them, and they have all, everything. And what it does, it shows you where you can reach out in the city that you reside in. So for me in Los Angeles, they have an uh, office here. Um, I, I, like I said, I participated in the autism walks in Los Angeles, as well as back in my home, Chicago. And that's a constant yearly thing that, like I said, they 
raise money just to keep everybody informed on what changes are occurring, what laws have been passed, and where you can go actually uh, get help. I mean, their parents, they have so many um, parents that's together and they have um, non-for-profit organizations. They're coming everywhere. So Googling this stuff is, is right there. You can just find out so much information. Deborah Harris, uh, autism advocate. I really appreciate you spending some time with us here on the show today. Oh yeah, I appreciate you having me, Steve, but I just want to say this one thing. Autism does not mean that that's the end of the world. There is hope, there is light, and you, your child can very much live a very, very productive life and really surprise you because like I said, they usually have great gifts and great abilities. So I just want to encourage everybody that's even faced with the disorder just to keep their head up because there is light at the end of the tunnel. Awesome. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. I appreciate it. If your child has autism, don't go it alone. Don't throw up your hands in despair. Know that there are wonderfully talented people who have solutions for you. There are things that can be done that can powerfully and impactfully help your child live a really awesome life. And for you to see that they really truly are a gift. We're gonna talk more about that in the next segment. But right now I do hope that if you find yourself in that situation that you'll find yourself comforted. And that if you have somebody that you know who has a child with autism, that you'll reach out to them and just let them know that you're there for them. As we all work together in life to really truly thrive. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to we help you thrive.com. Check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur. As we talk today specifically about autism, um, you know, there's some startling statistics that I heard that, um, you know, there are just so many children now that are being diagnosed somewhere on the autism scale. I know that my son, Michael, we've considered sometimes whether or not potentially some of the things that he did, like walking on his toes, when he was a child. He's a very well-adjusted child, uh, adult now. Um, but, you know, we all probably have been touched with it in one way or another. 
And I really want you to feel empowered today as we go through this. I'm really looking forward to bringing this next guest to you. She is a powerful woman, and I know you're going to get a lot out of this. In order to have the right mindset, the very first thing that we need to learn is acceptance. There are events that happen in our life that we feel completely out of control over. They feel like a wave that's going to drown us. And yet through those circumstances, some of the most amazing gifts can come into our life. Autism is one of those that often we don't really think of as a gift when we have a child that's diagnosed with autism. And yet there are some amazing gifts that come through that. And today we want to talk with our good friend, Dr. Allie, Alicia Griffith. Um, she has a new book called Amazing Gift, A Journey to Autism Acceptance. Dr. Allie, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Steve. I'm really excited to talk about your book. Um, tell people that aren't familiar with your background, um, you know, the background that you have in dealing with people with autism. Wow. I am um, I'm an audiologist and speech-language pathologist by trade. I have also been working with children on the autism spectrum close to 20 years, pretty much almost 17 years now. And then um, I was given my beautiful gift uh, approximately 10 years ago. Mm. And tell us about that. I mean, you've worked with the children uh, with autism, and it seems like you would just be the perfectly prepared person to deal with a child that has autism. But, but what was it like in reality? So the reality is, when it came to working with children with autism or being around them and connecting with them, I had an innate gift within myself where it was just so easy, it just flowed. Initially, I was very scared and nervous of the difference. When I was in college and I was first introduced to the field of autism, and as I, as I surrounded myself with it more and I became more interested in the individuals and more attached and connected to the individuals, it just created internal fascination within me. So I always had a preference to working around people that were differently able. Uh, this was wonderful when it wasn't anything that was personal. When I started to see the signs within my son, I was... I was stuck. I was dumbfounded. It came to me like a blast, like, wow, no, not me. So I saw so many parents dealing with the diagnosis and dealing with trying to cope with this quote-unquote autism, and I helped them with the preparation stage. I helped them to become comfortable with the stage. So when it hit home and it became my son, my heart, my little helpless one at that time, I said, no, not me. Why me? Until I realized that there is a reason for me. So, and I just find it so amazing, you know, in your book, you talk a lot about that journey that you had to go on 
just like everybody else does. And I think that's the part that's the most interesting for me is the fact that with all the education, all the experience, you still had to go through the very same journey that every parent goes through when they discover that their child has autism. Absolutely. It just reminded me that it didn't matter how much education or experience that you may have in a field when it hits close to home and you go through the process of denial and then you go through the process of blame on yourself and anger and then trying to say, well, God, if you do this for me, I'll, I'll, I'll do this, which is a form of bargaining until being introduced to so many concepts of, of the secret and shifting my mindset and realizing that, you know, this is not a bad thing. This is actually a good thing. Seeing the good in others is always great, but when it comes to your own life, it always becomes a little harder to see it within those lens until you actually start to take yourself out of it again. And that's what I had to do for myself. I had to remove myself from it for a second and look at it from the outside and then get back in it and begin the acceptance stage. And the book is called Amazing Gift. Um, there are so many gifts that you talk about that your son is in your life. But if you had to just pick just one, what is um, maybe your favorite gift that having a child with autism has done for you? Patience. Mm. Patience. He has taught me the act of patience and the I'm just going to throw in and receiving life with a smile. Mm. Yeah, definitely patience because in order to really relate with him and to really connect with him, I have to have a patience. I have to have a level of patience within me. So I realized when I didn't have it, I would see the blockage in terms of us connecting. So as I began to realize, okay, the more patient I am, the more we can connect. And then I began to apply that in my life with every relationship that I had to have. I needed patience to be able to receive that person. I love how God has a way of bringing into our life exactly the thing that we need to make us better people. And, and it comes so often wrapped in a, in a, you know, in a wrapper that we're not expecting. And yet at the end of the day, it really is absolutely that thing that makes us a better person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just to be able to see the beauty in all experiences that we have that in itself, when you're in it, you think of what was me? Oh no. Why me? And then when you begin to see, but there's beauty in this, but there's great in this, but there is, there's greatness in this, and therefore there's greatness within that person and in myself. So God is amazing the way he does things. You totally don't see it when you're in it, hence the reasons why I'm sharing this with other readers and other moms like me and, and, and others that are interested in the field or, or the topic of autism or the life of autism, because... I want them to see it from the outside and then try and put themselves on, in the inside to realize that there's beauty in everything around. 
between uh, your personal experience and your work experience with uh, parents that have a child that's diagnosed with autism, um, I know there's just a whole spectrum of things that a person goes through, but what would you say is the the biggest resistance that really holds people back from getting to that place of acceptance? Ooh. It depends on when, what part in their lives you get them. Uh, you sometimes, I usually get parents at the point of diagnosis and the diagnosis is a lot of denial, which is, okay, my child may just not be speaking at the age of two or three, or they're a late bloomer, or boys, you know, they do things differently. They are at a point of denial where they're not ready to accept the difference that is within their child. So that's usually the biggest one that I would see at the beginning of the diagnosis era. However, when they're living with it, living with the child with autism, you see a lot of anger a lot of anger and frustration. Sometimes the anger is towards themselves and sometimes the anger is towards their child. Mm. I can understand that. You know, um, it's one of the reasons why I love your book so much is because uh, there's a, you know, there's a lot of good material out there, but a lot of it is kind of, uh, you know, arm's length, a step away. This is the things that as a professional you need to do. Um, and, and I love how in your book, you're just basically walking through, Hey, you know, I'm right here with you. These are the things that I've been through. These are the things that I experience every day. Um, and this is the secrets that I've found, you know, really help me be able to uh, not just, accept it, but really see how amazing this gift really is. Absolutely. I wanted moms to know, I wanted others out there to know that they were not alone in this journey. And that even though I may, you may see me as a professional, I'm going through the same thing that you're going through in my home. I'm going through the moments when your child doesn't want to do homework or doesn't want to eat their dinner because they're picky eaters and you're trying everything that you can think of, think of to get them to do the things that you need them to do. I wanted parents to know that the frustration they may feel, the anger they may feel, those moments when you're just at, maybe at your lows, that you're not alone at that lows, that there are others right there with you. And together we can help you to get out of that low. We can help you to start seeing the gift. We can help you to start knowing the choices, the alternatives, the other things that others may have done before that we can learn also. I'm still growing in this process. My son is only 10, and I understand there's so much more ahead of him. But I had to stop and think to myself, I can't keep this information, this knowledge, this experience, this special gift that God has given me to myself. I have to start to create a place where other parents can feel, oh, she's just like me. Oh, she understands. Mm. The book is called Amazing Gift. 
A Journey to Autism Acceptance. It's by Alicia Griffith, uh, better known as Dr. Allie. And really, I do encourage you to go out and get this book. Um, Amazing is spelled A-U-M-A-Z-I-N-G gift amazing gift a journey to autism acceptance dr ali thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today sharing both your journey as well as a little bit of insight into how we can take that journey to acceptance absolutely my goal is for that journey to not only be with in our autism community but to also be for others out there Everyone out there pretty much has six degrees of separation from autism. If you do not have a child with autism, you'll have a friend that you know or a family member that you know. We all will experience autism at some point in our lives. So it's time for us to start moving from autism awareness to now autism acceptance. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to help with that journey. Get Amazing Gift, A Journey to Autism Acceptance on Amazon today. There are some things in life that when you first have them presented to you, they just don't feel fair. They just seem like the world, God, the universe, whatever you believe in, is picking on you. But the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes those things are the greatest gifts in our life. And as we learn acceptance, we can truly be more amazing ourselves as well as see just how amazing those gifts in our life are. Let's take a quick commercial break and then we will be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to We Help youthrive.com check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today welcome back to thriving entrepreneur this is steve welcome back Thanks for listening today to Thriving Entrepreneur. I really do hope that you will get involved, that you will do what you can to help moms and dads who have children with autism to get the help that you need. If one of your children is anywhere on the autism scale, that you will really find yourself powerfully showing up in the world and doing that thing that only you can do, and that's be the best version of yourself and help those that are in your world. Often it's so easy to give in to powerlessness, to feel like there's just nothing we can do. 
It's such a horrible thing. It's so huge. What can I do? I'm just a lay person. I'm not a doctor like Dr. Alley is. Um, what can I possibly do? But often the simplest things are the most impactful. And today I just encourage you to reach out to somebody. If you have this situation with an autistic child in your life, reach out for help. And if you know somebody who has an autistic child, really do reach out to them and give them the love and support that they so desperately need. Um, and then of course, lastly, get involved with organizations that are helping. Um, you know, I think a lot of times in modern society, we've gotten used to getting people well enough. Do you know what I mean by that? I mean, we get people to the point where they can live with it. Not that they overcome it. Not that they're cured. I remember Chris Rock in one of his comedy routines, he talks about, you know, there's no money in the cure. Um, they, they get you just like any other drug dealer on the comeback. Um, but I really would like to see us as a society eradicate some of these things, especially the childhood kind of things. There's no reason for any of our children to suffer from whatever the causes of things like these may be. There's some guesses, but there's also some uh, not quite knowns yet into what causes it. But I think we all need to pull together and really start looking for solutions to the situations like this that people find themselves in. All of us have things in life that we can't control. Things that are bigger than us, that are beyond us, that seem overwhelming. And each of us in that situation needs to reach out for help. And then on the flip side, all of us have somebody in our life who really needs help. They need help today. They need it right here, right now, today. I said that very clearly and very specifically because I really want you to take up the banner of giving the help that you can give. Sometimes that's a hug or a smile. Sometimes that is putting your book out into the world. A lot of it just really comes to being clear as to your purpose, to what you're here for, and doing that thing that only you can do. Because if you don't do it, who's going to? Please do join us in Bestsellers Guild. Please do put your book out into the world. Please do share your message with the world. But be looking today for an opportunity to share who you are. Because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. And the world needs you. Please know that we're here to help you live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Whatever thriving means to you, we've got you. We want to see you succeed. I'm excited to hear the stories as your journey continues and you thrive. Until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time.
You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.